Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right. Good morning and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we are addressing one of the things that is seen as a risk of whole life insurance and this kind of black box or, um, or challenge to overcome when it comes to whole life insurance. And that is many people see whole life insurance as being too expensive. And there's these internal costs of whole life insurance. And, and really, it's not disclosed on an illustration. So there can be a lot of confusion, misinterpretation, and almost dismissing life insurance or whole life insurance altogether because of this cost of insurance that is shrouded in mystery. So we're going to be talking today about the cost of whole life insurance. And here's a little um, spoiler, spoiler alert. If you get more money out of something than you put in, there is zero cost. So we're going to be talking about that throughout this episode as well today. So good morning and welcome to the show, Bruce. Good morning, Rachel. This is a, a topic that is um, very near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. It's it's um, intriguing. You should worry about you should worry about the cost of something, but you should always you should also worry about the value of something um, and what you're trying to do. It's it's amazing how people look at costs with financial instruments very differently than they look at costs with what I would call retail um, products that you buy. And if, you know, example, if they knew what the cost of a Coca-Cola was at uh, McDonald's relative to what you pay for it, they would not be very, very happy, but, oh, they're, willing, sure. but they're willing, they're willing to pay for it. Um, and they're not going, they're not, they're not asking the Coke to reveal, Hey, we only pay three, three cents for the, the syrup and we only pay, you know, a cent and a half for the cup and the ice they actually pay the most for. I don't know. People don't realize that. I didn't um, know that. Yeah. Well, I have a friend who owns two McDonald's um, and he, nice. he told me that. And so it's really interesting. Um, you should worry about this, but I think we should always be focusing on his value. And you're absolutely right in your introduction. Um, uh, there isn't that, that line item for cost. Um, of the insurance in a whole life because it's all baked into the premium with the dividends uh, scale being baked in with the, the uh, interest, a guaranteed interest rate being baked in and then they take out the other costs to run the company and the cost of insurance and then they give you a net, a net cost going along the way uh, in the form of cash value increases. Mm-hmm. And and those are our net of all the cost, and so I think that's where we're going to go today and try to explain that in a little bit further detail. Yes, and so I'm going to do two things really quick. One, I want to um, just put a little um, pitch in here for a course that we're working on for life insurance. This is a course on privatized banking. We're actually going to be answering the 16 things that people see as risks of whole life insurance in that particular course. Today, we're just addressing one of those, which is, is whole life insurance too expensive or what are the costs of whole life insurance? And so that course is not available yet, but it will be coming out soon. And also, we always want to come back to where does this conversation and this topic altogether fit in the big picture of creating time and money freedom? Because we know that your life is certainly not all about just life insurance and that life insurance is not just a 
one piece of your entire financial life. I mean, you you can't just say, well, life insurance is the end all be all. This is the one product and I just get life insurance and everything is good after that. Really, you have to have this system of creating cash flow because you want income in your life. And so first, you want to keep as much of the money that you make as possible. That means having little, as little as possible flow out between your fingers. And then we want to protect that money that you're keeping and that wealth that you're building. And then we want to say, how do we use the money that we have today to go ahead and put that to work in assets that produce cash flow and truly create passive income or asset-based income so that you're in a position where you're not always trading time for money. And then you can build that time and money freedom and you can really leave the legacy that you were meant to leave on this earth. So today's conversation fits in privatized banking, which is part of life insurance, which is part of that middle component, that middle third or second level of the cash flow system. So really today we're talking about the number one secret that you need to know about the cost of life insurance. And it really boils down to this whole life insurance is two parts. There is a life insurance component plus this savings on steroids, if you will. So life insurance piece, which gives you a death benefit. And then there's a savings element that is really one of the best places that we've ever found to store cash. So we're going to talk about what this means and really walk you through this secret of understanding what exactly are the costs of life insurance. Now, where you'll see a lot of this idea when it comes to the cost of life insurance is that there's this lack of liquidity in the early years. So when you put dollars into something, let's just say, for instance, you're putting dollars into the bank. I take my dollars from my hand or my safe or my can in the backyard or my wallet, and I go ahead and put those into the bank. Now, there's no, I don't think of a cost of that because I'm putting one, I'm putting a dollar in from one place to another place that I can still equally access and use that. Or if you even think about investing money, you're putting dollars into an investment. You don't really think about the cost of that because the purpose is to grow your money. And if you have more money than you put in, it's kind of confusing to even think about this in terms of a cost. But where it comes down to it is that I mentioned life insurance having the savings element of it. And certainly you do have, you put the dollars in, that's called your premiums. Then it's building this death benefit, but at the same time you have this cash value which is accessible and usable for you. However, the cost could be thought of in the early years as I put in $100,000, I don't have $100,000 day one to be able to use, there's a little bit of a lack of liquidity or meaning I don't have access to all of the money I put in in the early years. Then you have, if you had a graph, and I don't know if this is gonna make sense with my hands here, but say these are the dollars that you're putting in and here's how much you have available to use. It's like this, crossover graph where at first, I don't even know if this is starting, Bruce, is this, is this on your, um, on your right? Yes. I don't even know if I'm going the right direction, but anyways, just imagine a graph where you have one line and you have another line that crosses over. So in the beginning, your cash value is less than the dollars you put in and that cash value starts growing and growing and growing. You hit this break even point where it crosses the dollars that you've placed into the policy and then it grows beyond that and up past what you've put in. And I think I'm probably making that graph completely. No, the graph, is, the, graph, the graph was fine. Yes. No, it, it looked fine. So in what we're saying there is that in the early years, usually between years five to nine, you have some kind of a lack of liquidity that you don't have access to all the dollars you put in. And after that point, everything you have available to use in your cash value is actually more dollars than you've put into the policy. And when we think about it from that perspective, 
if I put dollars into something and then I have more dollars than I put in available to use, there wasn't a cost to that. Now, certainly there are costs inside the policy and we want to address those, but really what's most important is not what the cost is, but how it impacts you. Yes, and uh, what's interesting, if you want to compare this to other financial vehicles, um, and, and I don't necessarily think this is a financial vehicle, but I hear this a lot, is people talk about your home being the, a, a great, one of your greatest assets. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that it is a great, has, a great asset, but people are, they treat it like a savings, a savings account. Matter of fact, you'll see the government reports that say the greatest amount of um, capital that people own is the equity in their home. And, and most people do. Yes, and, it, and that's true. But think about this, though. You, you can do the same kind of graph with uh, a home so that you're putting money into it every, every month. You have lack of liquidity of that money unless you do a home equity line of credit, and there's and there's some there's some uh, problems with getting that all the time. But eventually, if you're in a normal market, which you're not always in a normal market, we found that out in 2008. Eventually, you will actually uh, have more uh, equity in that home than what you actually put into it if it appreciates in value. Now that's a big if. Right. So then you can say to yourself, am I really, you know, am I really paying anything to live in this home? Because I, I bought it for the X, I paid, I sold it for 2X, whatever I made on that, I paid off my original investment and I have more money than I actually paid mm-hmm. into the home. So it's, I love using real estate and whole life insurance as a comparison. The difference is in whole life, you could do that same crossover point that you just did, you can do that same crossover point in the guaranteed side of the money yes. and not and not take in consideration the dividends. And even though the dividends are not guaranteed, they're highly probable because the good mutual life insurance companies have paid dividends for well over a hundred years uh, through the Great Depression and the Great Recession even. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's a great way if you um, are still saying, no, nah, I don't believe this. There's still costs involved, so on and so forth. If you compare it to other things um, that you already have a good example of in your mind, then I, can, I, I bet you can see where we're coming from. Bruce, I love when you connect real estate and life insurance together, and mostly because they perform very similarly, except for we have more of a uh, familiarity with real estate because mm-hmm. most of us have a mortgage but most people are not as familiar with life insurance. And so it can be a really good comparison and seeing where there's actually additional value in a life insurance policy instead of putting your money into the mortgage. So let's go ahead and then talk about when we look at the savings aspect or the savings element of cash value life insurance. Now, I really want to be clear. We're talking about a high cash value whole life insurance policy, which we call a specially designed mutual whole life insurance policy that's dividend paying, it's with a mutual company. This is a, it's not your typical, it's not your your old fashioned, well, it is old fashioned, but it's not your typical life insurance policy. It's not, it's not off the shelf. You know, there you go. It's uh, custom tailored to you. Correct. I mean, uh, if you just want to buy a base policy, if you go to somebody and say, I want a whole life insurance policy, they're going to send you, they're going to sell you a, what they call ordinary life policy or just a pure insurance policy by just selling you a base 
base premium policy. Which what, I want to be clear, still will create cash value. Absolutely. Just will. much more slowly. And so it's not as much meant to be used. That would be more of an accumulation type of product or something that is for the purpose of having that death benefit guaranteed that will pay out whenever you die. That is the key. It's not, I have clients that only have base policies because they wanted to ratchet up the death benefit as high as possible mm -hmm. for estate planning purposes, whether it is to pay um, estate taxes or they just simply wanted to pass on the most efficient way to pass on assets to the next generation is through a life insurance policy because it gets passed on income tax free. So yeah, we're not saying that all base policies are bad. It's just that they're not right. specially designed. Right. And so when we're talking about a specially designed policy, we are looking at a couple of things happening that impact you inside that policy. If we look specifically at the cash value component, which is like a savings tool, it's not an investment, but it is a place to store cash. And the reason that it's valuable is that you have competitive growth, you have tax advantages, you have access to that capital, so it's liquid, and then there's a lot of safety as well. And we'll talk about all of these other elements, and we have talked about them in probably 40 po podcasts in the past, and we will continue to talk about them in the future. But today what we're focusing in on is what that growth looks like and what the cost is. Because here's the thing, if you zoom out, because life insurance is meant to be a long-term product, this long trajectory of thinking in your financial life, if you look out 20 years, say, in this particular type of whole life insurance product, you're going to see a growth, meaning your cash value, the amount of your cash value is usually going to be in the ballpark of three to four and a half or 5% return, internal rate of return on the dollars you put in. Now, I need to explain that a little bit just because that can sound a little confusing. So what I mean is that if you put in a certain input every single year, and you applied a time value of money calculation to that and a rate of return, and you factored that in, it would have taken a consistent, guaranteed, every year, year in and year out, return of 3% on your money to maybe up to 45 or 5% on those dollars that you placed in, in order to achieve this level of growth inside the cash value of the policy. So this is one of the things that's unique to a specially designed policy. The other thing is that you're having that conversion point, that break even that we talked about earlier, that happens fairly early in the policy. So you're getting somewhere between years five and nine in the policy, depending again on your age, your habits, your gender. There's many factors that go into the amount of cash value you have available, but that happens between that corridor of somewhere around years five to nine approximately. For most people in the policy and we see it we see it in year seven or year eight very frequently so those things are happening you're also having early cash value where your first year you have about 70 to 75 percent of the cash that you put in so again these are all due to it being a specially designed policy so when we talk about that that's just the growth inside the policy then in addition to that we can think of i'm able to use that cash value and put it to work in additional assets this is your external rate of return on your cash value and then I can also think about the death benefit, which is always going to be more than what I paid in my premiums, which means if I die and I'm not using the cash value, I'm also getting out far more than I put in. So that's where we're talking about this zero cost to you after that break-even point. If you have more accessible and more to use than what you put in, there's no cost. So there's kind of three parts to this that we're going to break down. 
The first is that high cash value whole life insurance isn't a cost or an expense. You shouldn't think of it as a line item that's an expense. It is truly a savings plan. Bruce, is there anything that you want to bring to light about that? No, I think um, I just want to emphasize that this is a long-term savings plan. And, and yes. some people, I just want to also emphasize the fact that, you, you know, you say three to four and a half, five percent, and people are like, well, what is it? Which is it? Well, once again, it depends on, you, you mentioned this, the age, your age, your habits, and your gender. So mm -hmm. not everybody's going to get the same thing. And we want to, and you, you, you touched on this, but I want to reemphasize it. Um, at, at year 20, if it's 4%, it means that it would have to do 4% every year, uninterrupted compounding to get to that place. Yes. So, so that is- Which that is hard a, to achieve. Which is hard to achieve in, in, in any place that's not a savings type event. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just want to uh, reemphasize those points that you, you made very well. I really appreciate that. And I think that sometimes that- additional clarity or even looking at the same thing from two different perspectives or angles really helps to be able to make sure we articulate this as clearly as possible because it really is important for you if you are looking at buying life insurance and really understanding it to buy something that makes sense to you and that you can use and that is the best thing in your financial life. And so our goal is not to convince anyone, but really just to be able to lay out the facts and talk about what this product is so that you can make decisions for yourself. Mm -hmm. So the second point that is really important about this secret is that whole life insurance values are net, net, net. What that means is net of taxes, net of fees, net of costs inside the policy, which include the cost of insurance. So what this means is that when you look at anything in life, again, we can just come back to the idea of, of sodas when you go to McDonald's. If, if on the menu we saw, well, the cost to McDonald's was this and the cost to you is this. And so therefore the difference is what you're going to, what we're going to keep. Oh, we don't really care about all that. What we really care is how is it impacting me personally? I'm paying $3 and 19 cents. I have no idea. I don't buy soda <laughs> $3 and 19 cents. And, um, and therefore that's the dollars that are going out of my pocket to McDonald's. And I'm getting this particular drink, this, Big gulp, I think they call them. Honestly, I'm so out of the loop. I do not drink soda. <laughs> <laughs> Big gulp's actually uh, 7-Eleven. Well, that's all, that's all right. <laughs> sorry, McDonald's. I've, um, I've, cut, I've cut soda out of my life too. So um, That's awesome. But I know from the, from the past it is. <laughs> so the point is here that you don't care about what happens internal to 7-Eleven or McDonald's. What you care about is what is the impact to me. So when you look at a whole life insurance policy, they're not disclosing all of their internal costs. What they are saying is that you, policy owner, you, Bruce Wayne, or you, Rachel Marshall, you, Jane Smith, whoever you are, this is what your value is going to be after we've already counted for taxes because you're not going to pay tax. You have tax-free growth or tax-deferred growth, so you're not paying tax as the money grows inside the policy. You're also, um, this is net of your of any fees. This is net of commissions. This is net of all of the cost to run the uh, company. Home office, yeah. And net of the cost of insurance as well, meaning that all of those things are already taken into consideration. We've already thought about all of them. And after all is said and done, here's your guarantees, which is tremendous peace of mind to be able to say, wow, here's the guarantees that I still get even after all those things are accounted for. And oh, on top of that, I still get dividends on a non-guaranteed basis, but again, highly anticipated, Probably. highly likely. 
Mm-hmm. So Bruce, we could say a lot of things about the costs. Um, I do. I would like you to talk about though the cost of insurance in a whole life insurance policy and how that's different from the annually renewable term cost. Yes. Um, basically, there are three types of insurance. There are um, whole life, which is the which is the um, purest form of insurance and it's been around the longest. And then there's term life, which is set for a term. It, and when it first came out, it was one year annual renewable. So they would figure out if you were a 30 year old, they would figure out how much, um, how likely it was you, for you to die in that year as a 30 year old. So the cost would be very, very small. And then it would, the next year, there's a 31 year old, obviously it would be higher. And they would just keep ratcheting that up. Well, then at some point, you know, as a 45 year old, they, the cost uh, was starting to increase where people were, were like, I don't know if I want to keep this going. So the industry came up with this. Well, why, don't we do, why don't we do this in corridors, like 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, and we'll spread out that cost of insurance to make it uh, more even, well, not more even, it was exactly the same premium every month or semi-annually or annually. Mm-hmm. And people were more comfortable with that. So and that's where you get like a 20-year term policy where your price or your cost, if I, I'm just talking in everyday language here, but your premium does not increase its level and flat every single year, even Correct. though the insurance company knows that you are more expensive to insure as a 45-year-old than as a 25-year-old. They flatten that cost during the policy so that you pay a level premium. Correct. And, so, and they know when it stops. Mm-hmm. So, and then when it stops you can now go on to an annual renewable again. And so now, but now you're 10, 20, 30 years um, closer to death. So all of a sudden the premium goes from here to up here. Right. And, and you can either accept that and keep paying that every year, or you can try to get another term, whether 10, 15, 20, depending on how old you are, and they'll spread it out again for you. And then you, the third one is universal life, which uses that internal cost of insurance, uh, annual renewable terms. So they do have where they start and they stair step it up every year. The idea in that though is either the interest rate or if it's a variable universal, the, the stock market returns, or if it's an index universal, the index returns are going to keep up with that cost of insurance. Uh, the universal lives, hopefully. hopefully, I was just gonna say the universal lives in the past, they haven't always special, especially if they're minimally funded. and. Um, you know, I get into great debates about, about this because people say, well, you never have to worry about it if you max fund it. And one of the things I always say to people is that's great, but human nature I've seen over my career is people don't always max fund things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, it doesn't always work, work as well. So what I talk to people about um, the cost or expense, when people, I always say to people, let's just compare term to whole life because there's term costs within the universal life too. Um, what is more expensive? You pay on a 30 year term, a smaller premium for 30 years, and then the term runs out and you don't receive anything. Or which you, means, which means if you think of the cost, like I said earlier, we paid all these dollars in, we had peace of mind during that process, but we didn't get any dollars out. Correct. Correct. Go ahead. 
So we had, so you pay on the term for a period of time, 30 years, all that time. It was a good thing because you're protecting your family. But at the end, you get nothing for that. At the end, you get nothing for it. You got mm -hmm. peace of mind during it. Yeah. With the, with the whole life, because it does endow. And endow, it means it's going to pay off it, in most cases at year 121. There are some at 100 still out there, but uh, case 121. So the insurance agents, agencies, the actuaries know it's going to pay off. And what that means, people out there and uh, listening, that means whether you die or not at 121, they're going to hand your estate a check for whatever it is. Because whatever the, the death benefit was, yes. Correct. Which is the same as the cash value at Which that time. Is the same as the cash value at that time. Yes. So they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna pay that out because they know that because they know that they can figure out the cost of insurance throughout that whole time period and flatten it out the entire time. Mm -hmm. So they so it's very much um, like term insurance within the uh, within the policy. Robert Murphy did a great podcast and Carlos Lair to explain this. Um, is that um, whole life insurance is like buying term and saving the difference. And because that cost of insurance stays the same, universal life does not endow. So that's one of the reasons they have to keep the cost of insurance going up. Mm -hmm. Term life does not endow because they're not, they're not paying anything off in the cash value. So the cost of insurance eventually after the term has to go up. Mm -hmm. So, um, I tell people, what's, it, what's more expensive? Paying more money for a premium that has a cash value to it that's going to pay off or paying something along the way that doesn't endow and you may not ever get a benefit from it. Yes. And actually, I take that even a step further because, and I don't know what the exact statistics are, but I know that I've heard this in from multiple different angles is that usually term policies now we're just looking at term only, but term policies usually pay out one to 2% of yeah, the time. That's, that's most of the figures I've heard too. So what that means is that most term insurance does not actually pay out. So why not? Either because you outlived the term life insurance policy, which awesome for you, you stayed alive during that 20 year span of time where you were insured, good for your life, but bad for your money. So in, in a situation where you're outliving the policy, you're not getting that payout. So what is more expensive, paying that those premiums in and not getting the payout at the end or paying in your whole entire life and knowing with a certainty, with a certainty, with certainty that you will absolutely be able to have the death benefit go to your heirs no matter when you pass away, even if it's after age 121. Mm -hmm. So whole life insurance, I would say, is actually the least expensive form of insurance. And that's another one of the, the focuses that we have for this particular um, secret today. So, so something else that I'll just bring up real quickly here is that in the early part of the policy, most of the other costs, not the life, not the cost of insurance piece, but the other costs are front loaded, meaning that that's why you have that lack of liquidity in the early years. And so that means that you're in a position where after that you, your growth accelerates and you break past that break even point and everything beyond that is just growth, which means if I look at, say, year 15 of a whole life insurance policy, at that point, I've put in X dollars and I have access to Y, more than I put in. So where's the cost there? Now, certainly there has been cost, but to me, there was no cost. 
So if I look at the actual reality in my life, if I paid $100,000 and now I have access to $150,000 that I can use as many times over as I want through policy loans, there's no cost in my reality. There was a cost inside the policy, but it did not impact me. So when we look at this and the bottom line of this whole conversation is that you should see that whole life insurance is something that has to be custom fit to you specifically in your specific life. Now, sometimes people will say, well, if I can get $100,000 of death benefit for $37.12 if I buy term, or I can pay, I don't know, $25,000 a year for the same amount of death benefit. You have to realize though that we're not comparing apples to apples. Term life insurance just gives you a death benefit. Whole life insurance gives you a tremendous amount more. You're not only getting a death benefit guarantee that will pay out past that term, you're also getting all this access to cash value that you can use along the way. And so really what you're doing is you're in a position where when we think of the cost, we really want to think about not is it in, as an expense, but how much do I want to save? I mean, if you wanted to save $25,000, then save $25,000. If you want to save $300,000, then save $300,000. It's really about how much dollars do you want to put to work for you that can be this foundation and this cornerstone almost of your wealth system because of the guarantees and the access to capital that you can use for anything else. I mean, this can be for paying for college for your kids. It can be for funding a wedding for your daughter 20 years from now. It could be for um, increased income and retirement for you. It could be for buying a new house or buying investment properties. There's so many uses of your cash value that this allows you to have in your life just as putting these dollars into this savings system. And so that's what this is all about today is that life insurance, specifically, especially designed whole life insurance, is really about a saving system and however much you want to put in. And once you break even, which is fairly early in the policy, you have no more cost to you. So we also wanted to make sure that you know, actually, Bruce, is there anything else you want to share in closing before I wrap us up today? No, I, no, I think we're really good today. Thank you. Awesome. So I wanted to make sure that you know that we have a guide to privatized banking. It's called the quick and easy guide for investors. This is the guide to give you the ability to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time. That's available for free for you. We'll have the link in the show notes for this episode and I'll post that on this video on Facebook as well. And then remember, we do have a course coming out that's gonna be ready in probably just a couple of weeks here. And we're gonna be covering so much more about life insurance. All of your questions will be answered. And we're even walking through a lot of illustrations that you can see tangibly, not just hear us talk and not just understand the concepts, but really see what life insurance is all about. Thank you so much. And we will see you next time. In closing, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at 
hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.